as we turn to the preaching of your word, Holy Spirit, come and overrule and overwhelm. My mouth and my words, our ears and our hearing, so that what is said and what is heard this morning is in accordance to the word of God, for the good of God's people, and for the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I don't know about you guys, uh, but hearing those readings from this morning, from Acts chapter 5 and John chapter 20, I couldn't help but be struck by the differences between the character and the attitude and the actions of the apostles in each account. In John chapter 20, we, we read about the apostles, uh, the 12 minus Judas, hiding in an upper room. They're afraid. And they're hiding. And just a few short months later, the events of Acts chapter 5, they're standing before the Sanhedrin. They're standing before the same group of Jewish leaders who persuaded Pontius Pilate to crucify Jesus. And they're doing so with boldness, refusing to obey the order to shut up, to cease and desist, talking about Jesus. That's a pretty phenomenal the difference. It almost seems like these are two different groups of people, doesn't it? I guess I'm alone this morning. <laughs> Thank you. What a difference between the two. What can account for this? What a difference a day makes, right? Things happen, things change in the blink of an eye. And days added together become weeks, joined together become months over the course of time, change happens. What happens between the events of John 20 and Acts chapter 5 to make these disciples, these men who were once in hiding, stand in defiance to the leaders who could kill them out of obedience to Jesus? What's the difference? The difference is the gifts that Jesus has to give. The difference is an encounter with the risen Jesus Christ, the one who had conquered death, the one who had conquered sin, the one who had conquered the grave. And in that encounter, the gifts that Jesus has to give, the apostles received. Jesus gave them peace. Jesus gave them mission. And Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. And those things, those gifts the risen Jesus has to give, those are the things that make all the difference. And so Peter and the other appear to be very different in Acts chapter 5 because, quite frankly, they are very different. And they're very different not because they suddenly found a spine, but because Jesus gave them peace, Jesus gave them mission, Jesus gave them the Holy Spirit. This is an encouraging word today, I believe, and an encouraging word for all of us. Because though we are not the apostles, Jesus is the same. Jesus gives the same gifts, and so available to us today, the very same peace that Jesus gave the 11, the very same mission Jesus gave the 11, the very same Holy Spirit that Jesus gave the 11. St. John tells us that on the evening of that day, the day of resurrection, the first day of the week, John tells us, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Let's just push pause for a minute here, and let's, let's reflect on these disciples on the day of resurrection. 
At this point in St. John's narrative, only Mary Magdalene had seen the risen Jesus. And at this point, in, in sort of connecting all of the Gospels together, while some others had seen Jesus, perhaps heard a report that the others had seen Jesus, the majority of those who followed after Jesus had not yet seen him. This includes the 11 closest disciples. And so St. John himself, being a part of that group, tells us very openly, we were hiding. We were locked away because we were afraid. Not only were they afraid, but they were also confused. They were also skeptical. They were themselves full of doubt. St. John tells that story about Thomas, who is, of course, called the doubter. But Thomas, even though he gets most of the attention for his doubt and his skepticism, we need to remember that when the disciples first heard of the resurrection of Jesus, they thought that the words coming out of the women's mouths were idle talk, that it was nothing more than gibberish coming out of the mouth of someone who has experienced an incredible amount of pain. Luke tells us that in Luke chapter 24. So it doesn't, isn't just Thomas who was doubting. It wasn't Thomas hiding alone. John tells us Thomas wasn't even there. They were all in hiding. They were all doubting. They were all skeptical. And I love how Jesus shows up, right? John makes the point. They're hiding. They're afraid. They're full of doubt. The doors are locked. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up in the middle of seemingly nowhere, and with a seemingly impossibility, Jesus is there in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their doubt, in a locked room. Jesus shows up. John tells us, talk about the master of understatement. Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, peace be with you. To all of those who are in that room, all of those in the midst of their fear, all of those in the midst of their doubt, all of those in the midst of their skepticism, Jesus comes and he pronounces peace. And he does it in verse 21. He does it again in verse 26. When Thomas is among them, he says, peace be with you. This is the first gift that Jesus has to give to his apostles. He's doing more here than simply offering a greeting. He is actively giving them peace. But what is that? What is peace? Well, in both its Hebraic and Greek roots, the idea of peace carries with it the understanding of wholeness and perfection. It carries with it the, the positive blessing of a right relationship with God. And so when Jesus steps into this room, he's telling them, essentially, you are right with God. You are now whole. You have well-being. In the face of your fear, now you can have confidence because you're whole. In the face of your doubt, now you can know. There's wholeness available. And within the Gospel of John, this is not the first time that Peter, that Jesus has actually given peace to his disciples. Back in chapter 14, the night before his uh, crucifixion, Jesus says this to them. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So in the, in the midst of all of this stuff, this turmoil, in the midst of their fear, in the midst of their worry, in the midst of their doubt, their skepticism, Jesus comes and he gives them something to bring clarity, 
He gives them his peace. He brings them wholeness. Leon Morris says that Christ effectually gives people peace because he gives people such a peace Jesus can enjoin them not to be troubled in heart nor cowardly. Not because they get it built up within them on their own. They're not talking themselves into courage. No, not at all. A Christ-given serenity, a Christ-given peace, makes us courageous and strong. And because this peace is a gift from the risen Jesus, it is a peace that is not dependent upon outward circumstances. It's in their encounter with the risen Jesus that these disciples receive peace. And in that peace, then, they find courage and strength. And so when they're called on the carpet by by that, that very group of Jewish leaders that persuaded Pontius Pilate to crucify Jesus, when they're called to answer to the authorities, both in Acts chapter 4 and again in Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles are able to speak with courage. They're able to speak boldly. They have peace, right relationship with God in the midst of doubt, clarity, in the midst of fear, courage. They know that Jesus, the one who conquered over death, has sent them. And so they can live out those words of David from the psalm. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And like David, these apostles, they recognize that that peace doesn't mean bad things won't happen. What they instead recognize that is in the midst of their enemies assailing them, in the face of their adversaries, in the face of their foes, and even their doubts, though an army encamp against them, their heart shall not fear because they have the peace that Jesus gave them. Wholeness, fullness, who they were supposed to be, right relationship with God. These men who were in hiding on the day of Jesus' resurrection, they stood before the Sanhedrin with great courage and boldness, and ultimately they are willing to pay the ultimate price for the gospel of Jesus. With the exception of St. John, who was himself tortured and then exiled, as tradition tells us, none of these apostles died uh, of what we would call natural causes. Thomas, in fact, who is so often called the doubter, in the words of one author, became Thomas the witness. And Thomas the witness became Thomas the apostle and martyr. What's the difference between the apostles in John 20 and the apostles of Acts 5? An encounter with the risen Jesus. And the risen Jesus giving them peace. Nicky Gumbel uh, tells a story in his Bible in One Year app. <coughs> I was uh, reading this morning And before you think that I'm overly pious and able to read the entire Bible in one year on schedule, I was trying to catch up this morning. (laughs) And I came across this story that Nicky Gumbel, who's the the head priest, the vicar at Holy Trinity Brompton, he tells a story of a young member of his congregation that worked at a major national newspaper. And this major national newspaper kept files of uh, well-known people. And every mention of the well-known person in the newspaper would be clipped out and put into the file. And these files were separated into a living people section and a dead people section. Now, at one time, uh, this young man was looking through the files of the dead people, and he came across a very large file that was marked Jesus Christ. It's in the dead people section, and so the young man, being a believer, he glanced over his shoulder to check that no one was looking, and he he quickly moved the file from the dead people to the living people section. 
Why? Because Jesus Christ is alive. Because he has risen from the dead. And he has gifts to give. He gives us peace. He shares with us his victory over sin and death and hell. The resurrection is a guarantee of his victory. And he shares in that with those who would believe. He shares his peace. But he also shares his mission. That's another thing that we see in John chapter 20. That's another difference between the apostles in the two passages, John 20 and Acts 5. And I think this is a, true, a real deep truth of what it means to be human. We require a mission in life. We require a purpose. You know, just think about it in your own life. When are the times that you feel the most fulfilled? It's maybe not the time where you're most successful, but at the time in which you are striving the most for a single purpose or objective. To flourish, to be who we are made to be as human beings, we need to live for something that's greater than ourselves. And without a mission, we just kind of float through life. We're adrift. We're rudderless. And I think we seem to intuitively know this. When I was a, a younger man preparing for college, get, coming out of high school, going into college, there was always that uh, temptation uh, or, or a real possibility when, when young men and young women kind of didn't have a plan, they didn't know what they were going to do, there was always the idea that was said, go to the military. That'll help you. And it did. It would, right? You go into the military and you're, you're bound into a group of other people who have a bigger mission amongst themselves, who have a purpose in their life. There's a, a structure and a discipline that's created for them. They're no longer adrift, right? Somebody is guiding them in the way. We need mission and purpose to be human. We need mission and purpose to be flourishing. And, and Jesus gives us, he gives the disciples and he gives us a mission and a purpose, one that's bigger than ourselves. They'd been in hiding. They were afraid to even leave the place where they were. They feared arrest. They feared their own possible execution. I think we can say that the disciples in John 20 were a little bit adrift. They were afloat. They didn't even know what to do other than hide behind a locked door. But in his encounter with them, as he comes to them, the risen Jesus gave these hiding disciples a mission. In verse 21, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Let's look at this. Jesus was sent by the Father to bring about the kingdom. And having accomplished his purpose through his crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus here is preparing for his ascension, his return to the right hand of the Father, and he commissioned his disciples. He enlisted them into his service to carry on his mission. And the way it's said, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, Jesus links their mission with his own. It's an extension, really, the disciples' mission, an extension of Jesus' mission. They are to do what he had done, to proclaim the kingdom of God, to proclaim the arrival of the king, to proclaim entrance into the kingdom through the death and resurrection of Jesus. The mission of the church is to proclaim that Jesus is Lord and Savior and to challenge the prevailing beliefs and cultures with this paradigm-shifting truth. Entrance into the kingdom of God is through repentance and faith in Jesus and as the book of Acts unfolds, we see those in hiding emerge into public and proclaim with clarity, proclaim with boldness the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see the word ministry 
We see their deed ministry. We see them doing what Jesus did. Why? Because they're on mission. They're on purpose. What's the difference between John 20 and Acts 5? The risen Jesus gave the apostles a mission. He gives them peace, and he gives them mission. And the two are bound up together in what we would call Jesus' final gift, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the midst of the apostles' fear and doubt, Jesus came to them. He said, here's my peace, and here's something for you to do. Go do this mission. And both of these things are bound up in the enduring presence of Jesus, the, uh, Jesus' gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at what he says in chapter 20 of John's Gospel, starting at the 21st verse. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is a prophetic action of Jesus, of the risen Jesus, the, a prophetic action in which he's pointing forward to the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit will be outpoured upon the church. The Holy Spirit came upon on that day, came upon all who believed in Jesus with an enduring presence and brought peace that Jesus gave and empowered the mission that Jesus gave. And so it is in Scripture the gift of peace from Jesus is intimately connected with the presence of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, Jesus offered the disciples his peace directly after announcing to them the coming of the Spirit. And in John 20, the order is reversed. He announces his peace and then he promises the coming of the Spirit. And this peace that Jesus gives is, is not based on an emotion or a feeling. No, it's based on the enduring presence of the Spirit of God residing within a believer. And so it has nothing to do with how I feel. It has everything to do with who God is. It's precisely why it is a peace that leads to courage. This is why Jesus can say this is a peace the world cannot give. Because it is a peace that is independent from external circumstances. Because it is a peace that is dependent only upon the eternal presence of the Holy Spirit, the gift of Jesus. Mission, then. Peace is connected to the presence of the Spirit. Mission is connected to the presence and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the, the gift of God poured out upon the apostles and the wider crowd of 120 total people in Acts chapter 2, and then those people poured out into the city proclaiming Jesus, crucified and risen, and forgiveness in his name. And the Holy Spirit empowered the apostles to give witness, and through them, the Holy Spirit worked to give witness. In fact, in uh, Peter states this quite clearly in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. The Holy Spirit, then, is absolutely vital to the purpose of God's people in Jesus. Absolutely vital. We can't really have peace without the Holy Spirit. We can't really be on mission without the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit to receive fully these two gifts that Jesus has to give. We have to have the third the Holy Spirit. 
These 11 apostles were transformed from frightened hiders to bold proclaimers. They went from fearing for their lives to willingly giving their lives because the risen Jesus gave them peace, gave them mission, and gave them Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's the difference between John 20 and Acts chapter 5. And the differences make all the difference. That's great for the apostles, right? That's great for the apostles, but I wasn't alive then. Were you guys alive then? I'm not sure some of you are alive now, quite frankly. <laughs> so quiet in here. I wasn't alive then, uh, and I haven't seen the risen Jesus like them. I haven't seen, been shown the nails in his hand and the wound in his side. How do I get these things that Jesus has to give? Are they even available? Well, let me say this very clearly. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying, so let me hear it say it very clearly. The gifts of the risen Jesus, his peace, his mission, and the Holy Spirit that he gave to those in John chapter 20 are the same gifts he has to give to those who believe today. So the answer is yes. Jesus, who is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow, still is giving people who believe in him his peace, his mission, and his Holy Spirit. So we need to actually be encouraged that these things are available. At the conclusion of his sermon on the day of Pentecost, found in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, Peter said this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. I think when Peter says all who are far off, he includes us. And so peace, mission, and spirit are available as gifts from Jesus. To get them, to receive them, we have to encounter Christ. And maybe that's where the biggest question is, right? There's a little story about a young missionary, uh, the son of a missionary, home on leave. He was called to dinner and told to wash his hands, and he replied, germs in Jesus. Germs in Jesus. That's all I ever hear about, and I ain't ever seen one of them. <laughs> How do we encounter Jesus? The risen Jesus can be encountered here and now today. And in fact, I would say we're encountering him as we speak. Primarily, we encounter the risen Jesus Christ through the witness of the Holy Spirit in word and in sacrament. At the end of John 20, St. John writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God from beginning to end, all 66 books, from Genesis to Revelation, to convict and to convince, to bring us into an encounter with the risen Jesus and to receive his peace, to know his mission, to hear the Holy Spirit. In the gospel sacraments, those things, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, the, the Holy Spirit is at work to bring us more and more into the, into the union with the risen Jesus. Folks, in just a few minutes, we're going to gather here at the rail, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and there is more going on here than just receiving a bit of, bit of bread and having a sip of wine. 
In the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and in baptism, God works through the Holy Spirit invisibly in us to awaken, to quicken, to strengthen, to confirm our faith in Him. And so we encounter the risen Christ through word and sacrament. The question is, do you ever ask? If you go through these things, you think, I'm not encountering Jesus. Well, have you ever approached it by saying, Jesus, I want to encounter you. Help me. You ever picked up the Bible to read and said, Jesus, show me yourself, even as I'm reading the book of Leviticus? You ever tried that? I promise you it'll work because Jesus takes God's word and he shows us himself. He encounters us through the word. He encounters us through the wine and the bread, through the water. We also encounter the risen Jesus as he comes, as we come under biblical teaching, under Bible study, in net groups, as we come into community of believers, and as we humbly ask the risen Christ to reveal himself in, this, in these things. This is how we deal, folks. This is how we deal with a lack of courage. Encounter the risen Christ, receive his peace. How? Word and sacrament, community of believers. This is how we deal with doubts. It's not unchristian to have a doubt. It's unchristian not to deal with the doubt. How do we deal with it? Word, sacrament, community of believers, encountering the risen Christ. The risen Jesus gives mission and he gives purpose to those who encounter him here and now today. Be encouraged. There is a mission. There is a purpose. And just as Jesus was sent out and then sent out the disciples, so too he sends us out. And our mission and our purpose is to make the risen Jesus known through our words, deeds, and common life. In fact, one missionary says that the, the best witness for the gospel is, quote, a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. The church of Jesus is given the mission of Jesus by Jesus to proclaim the kingdom of God and entrance into it by repentance and faith. Here at Emmanuel, our corporate vision is to be a church that glorifies God by blessing people with gospel ministries that they may believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior and join us in building His kingdom. We've responded to the call of Jesus with mission. We've begun running Alpha. We've made a three-year commitment to it. We've intentionally sought to use our property as a tool for engagement with our communities and to build relationships for the purpose of talking about Jesus. We've kicked off and launched an Emmanuel music project, a recording studio for people. We've had clothes swaps. We've had the gospel project. We continue to look outward. Why? Because Jesus calls us outward. And the things that we've done only scratches the surface of what is possible as we continue to seek corporate efforts and individual empowerment to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have peace. We have mission. We have the Holy Spirit. The risen Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to those who encounter him here and now, today. Be encouraged. The peace that, peace that Jesus has to give is wrapped up in the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. The mission that Jesus has given is wrapped up in the abiding presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. But how is the Spirit received? And are we living in the power and presence of the Spirit? We need to recognize that Whoever has confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior has been and has been baptized into his name has already received the Holy Spirit. Perhaps what we need then to use the language of our own church heritage, and what, perhaps what we need then is something we might call a release of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that for 40 plus years at our church. We've talked about it in Alpha. All we have to do to receive this outpouring, this release of the Holy Spirit, you know what it is? 
You got to let your blood a little bit. You got to pay your tithe a little bit. You got to make sure you do your service a little bit. No, not at all. All you have to do to receive the release of the Holy Spirit is ask. That's it. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus said this, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? As we conclude this morning, let me just ask some questions. Do you need the peace that Jesus has to offer? Are you filled with fear or are you filled with doubt? Come and encounter the risen Christ. Come and know Him. Are you going about the work that Jesus has given his followers and his church to accomplish? Are you proclaiming the gospel in word and in deed with boldness like the apostles of Acts? Is the abiding presence and power of the Holy Spirit an active part of your life in Christ? The difference between John 20 and Acts 5 is found in the gifts that Jesus gives. Peace, mission, and spirit. And these gifts, they change everything. These are the differences that make all the difference. Perhaps this morning, <clears throat> you're hungering for more. Perhaps this morning, you're hungering not for more of me talking, because I've already talked enough. Perhaps this morning, you're hungering for more of the Holy Spirit. We're getting ready to sing in worship to the Lord. Now is a wonderful time to respond. We've got men and women who are perfectly capable and willing to pray with you to pray for God's peace to be upon you, to pray to empower you for mission, to pray simply for the release of the Holy Spirit, that you would know the risen Jesus. Take the opportunity, either through our worship, during our worship, as we worship in song, or at the rail during the Eucharist, or at the prayer stations during the Eucharist. Take the opportunity. Don't leave here with life being the same as it was when you came in, because Jesus has more for you than that. Stop hiding in the upper room behind locked doors. Live an Acts chapter 5 life with the peace of Jesus, the mission he's given, and the Holy Spirit he's provided. You can have it today. All you have to do is ask. Take the opportunity. Those differences will make all the difference. I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy and gracious God, we do praise you and give you thanks. <clears throat> Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gifts you have to give us. Right relationship with you through Jesus. Mission in Jesus. And the gift of the Holy Spirit that brings us in close connection with Christ. Come and as we worship you in song, be glorified. Come and move powerfully in our midst. Holy Spirit, come. You are welcome here. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.